all the possible things that could go wrong did. The people that were closest to me left. I started becoming hopeless. I thought about quitting. And this is what happened next. How do you become a DJ and create an incredibly successful lifestyle while everyone around you doesn't even believe it's possible? That's the big question. And this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to the DJ University Podcast. DJ University Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Ben from DJ University. It's so good to be back. And, you know, since the last time that I shared an episode on here, I've had a few conversations uh, that I've shared with a friend an ex-teammate, and also a DG University member that have been really profound. And in a way, what has happened is that it's actually triggered a lot of memories from my past as I was trying to help them navigate through their uh, challenges or uh, the things that they were working on. Now, I'm super grateful for all the experiences that I've been able to achieve and also experience in my lifetime. Um, I'm also really blessed that I was able to find my purpose and ultimately, you know, my passion uh, fairly early on in my preteens, you know, of just pursuing DJing and then starting a business. And again, I've had an amazing amount of experiences that I'm so grateful for. But the one that sticks out the most that I value the most is impacting people's lives in a positive way. If it's giving a friend advice or even my daughter advice or my son advice, or if it's coaching a client or if it's mentoring a friend. And there's been quite a lot of that lately, especially of course, you know, with DJ University, but I think that, you know, um, the trajectory and the journey of a, a person's life is that, you know, at first you get paid for what you do then you get paid for what you know, and then you get paid for who you grow. And so in the beginning, when I first learned how to DJ, I acquired the skill that was a high income skill. So that way, when I started DJing, I could charge for, for it and it was exchanging my skills for dollars, right? Then over time, once I mastered that skill, I was then able to hire people and train them to do, you know, to perform those skills on my behalf, which ultimately is just leveraging my time because I can only be in one place at once. However, if I train a bunch of people, now we can serve multiple events simultaneously. And so at that point I was getting paid for, um, you know, uh, for what I know. And then now I'm at this phase where I'm changing my income trajectory of who I grow. And so it's a lot of mentoring. Um, it's a lot of strategy work. It's a lot of giving advice, right? And I think as uh, I've grown into this role, I've put kind of a beacon out there for people uh, that are just like, you know, that, that are in my network, maybe it's acquaintances or uh, people, you know, of my distant past that uh, feel the need to reach out to me because um, they see, you know, all the results uh, that have been acquired over the years. And... I guess the first one I wanna talk about is actually one of our amazing DG University members. I literally just shared a coaching uh, call with them yesterday. And they were going through kind of a rough time in a sense that like, um, you know, nothing seems to be going right at the moment. And I know that as you're listening to this, you can probably relate to that, that um, we've all experienced a rough time in, in our lifetime at some point, right? And uh, the one thing that, 
I have just come to learn over the years is that life is all about peaks and valleys. You know, it's about um, great times, but then they're followed by challenging times. And usually the challenging dark times are always followed by great times again. And it's actually that the dark times and the challenging times are required for you to level up in skills and knowledge and wisdom that ultimately ultimately provides you the know-how to accelerate to the next level. And so, you know, this certain individual was feeling pretty hopeless. Um, they are super bright. Um, they have everything within them to be massively successful. However, there's certain aspects about, you know, when you're trying to succeed that are outside of your control. Because what, once you're trying to, uh, you know, hone the skills, you can have the skills, you can have the know-how, and you can put in the work. However, sometimes there's gatekeepers that are ultimately the decision makers that keep you from being able to accelerate to the next level, right? And it's a patience game. And at that point, it can seem really, really, really defeating, especially the longer that it goes on for, right? And so this individual has done all the right things, has shown up, has done the work, right? And even I'm quite surprised that, you know, the gatekeepers aren't letting him in yet, right? It's just a matter of time, but when you're going through it, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like it's never gonna happen, right? And I found myself talking about a lot of the challenges that I had to go through in order to get to the point that I'm at currently. And then I also found myself talking about the current challenges that I'm dealing with right now that really the realization I came to is that whatever level you're playing at, if it's when you're first starting out or you're in an intermediate level or an advanced level or even mastery level, even the people that you look up to that you feel like have it all together, have just life just seems easier for them, they also have challenges. And a lot of times their challenges have more zeros at the end. Their challenges have more people that are can be affected if they mess up, right? Uh, which is a huge responsibility that's on their shoulders. And usually when you're at that level, there's a lot more, way more to lose. I mean, in the beginning, when you don't have anything, you have nothing to lose at least, right? And so I guess, you know, for those of you who are listening right now, I just wanted to remind you that it may seem like the people that are really successful that you look up to never have any problems, but it's not the fact that they don't ever have problems. They actually do have problems and they're probably a lot larger than the ones that you have even dealt with to this moment, right? Of what you're pursuing. However, they've become really good at the skill of conquering their challenges and the roadblocks that are in their way. I think that's the one thing that I can attribute to my growth is that I've had so many challenges and I'll, I'll bring some up just to prove it to you that they weren't easy challenges to overcome. But it made me realize that every time that I go through a challenge, as long as I'm willing to never give up and blindly continue forward, no matter how scared, no matter how defeated and hopeless I feel, usually I'll trip upon the answer that I need to graduate to the next level. 
And at that point, it's usually followed by a celebration. It's followed by, you know, this endorphin rush of success. But a lot of people tend to give up before they reach that point. And I guess that's what I'm trying to record this episode for is to inspire you that if you're currently going through something right now, be it, you know, building your DJ business, maybe it's a relationship uh, challenge, maybe it's something else that there's always, always a brighter future ahead as long as you dare and you're willing enough to keep moving forward regardless of what you're, what's, what's directly ahead of you the feedback that's given to you, that you feel like, man, it seems like it'll never solve itself. It seems like it's never gonna get better, right? That regardless of all the challenges that are being thrown at you, that as long as you just blindly continue forward and do the absolute best that you feel you can do, okay? Which is, like, I mean, of course, the, the hard part is when you don't know the answer, you don't know the answer, Right, so you, a lot of times when we try to grow to the next level, we're we're growing into untouched territory. We've never been there before, so therefore we don't know how to get there. First off, and then second off, once we're there, we don't know how to how to act once we're we're there either. Right, and so I would just like to remind you that like just continue blindly moving forward because it has never served me wrong. Every single time that I've gone through some really tough challenges. I've decided to blindly move forward anyways. And I've always stumbled across the answer. I usually call it cracking the code. And you only have to crack the code once. Once you know the combination, you can use that combination again and again to reach that same level. However, once you're at that level, it's time for you to grow to the next level. And so dealing with challenges and problems, cracking codes will never go away as long as you decide to continue to grow. The only time that the challenges will stop coming, or at least the large challenges, is if you decide to stop growing. And as the saying goes, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And so I guess I just personally don't ever wanna be the same person that I was last year or the year prior. So what I learned is that like, you know, I never wanna be that person that, you know, when someone's trying to share a challenge with me or a problem that they're facing, to then try to one-up them and say, well, guess what? I'm dealing with these problems, blah, 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 right? But with this particular member, um, just sharing some stories of the past of how I was able to achieve uh, or kind of conquer challenges was quite inspiring to that person. And that's what made me realize like, okay, maybe, maybe I should share this on the podcast so that way others can be inspired as well. So let's go ahead and take a trip down memory lane, shall we? <laughs> So the first story that I wanna share with you is actually not the beginning of my career, but it was actually once I made it already. Because I wanna to prove to you that um, regardless of how successful you are, problems don't go away, challenges don't go away, okay? So our entertainment company had already blown up, it had already done really well, already multiple six figures. Um, in addition to that, uh, I was able to learn how to hire and train and manage and lead an amazing team of individuals. So um, it was really a great time in business. And we decided because we made so much profit that we were like, well, we'd, we'd hate to keep all this profit in the bank account. Let's go ahead and put it to use and let's go ahead and invest it. We had already grown so many systems and um, you know, just, just invested in the DJ business that we decided to start another sister company which was an event space. 
Now think about this. A DJ company that now runs an event space that can manage and has full control over booking its own DJs. We thought we were genius. We thought that this was just another key to the kingdom, right? <laughs> um, and the thing is at first, there was a lot of excitement. And usually the kind of leader that I am is I don't like to make decisions purely on my own because I don't want it to be a dictatorship. I want it to be uh, a tribe that's willing to row in the same direction. And so I like to share it with my team, any sort of large decisions and ask them what they think about it and ultimately get their buy-in as well. Because as long as we all agree to go this direction, right? We're all enthusiastic about going that direction versus if the leader at the very top just makes a decision and doesn't actually check in with their team, then it feels like, well, why am I going along with this? This is really just their their vision, right? And the thing is that like every single one of the team members that were on that team at that moment in time said, this is definitely an incredible decision. It's an incredible direction to move our company. It was purely genius, right? And so what we did is we started shopping for a uh, local space that was available. We signed a five-year lease and we went to work. We started building it out. And mind you that we had a decent sized budget already set up and um, we knew that like, you know, in the beginning we'd have to spend a lot of money to get it up and running and then it wouldn't just, you know, start generating money the first month. So we need to have at least six months worth of savings um, that we would invest. So that way uh, it buy us enough time to be able to start making it uh, generating income, right? Generate revenue so that way it could start paying for itself and let alone, of course, you know, break a profit. So... We went to work and within the first two months, we we're already getting really low on our savings. Be you know, the six month savings, by the way, um, because there were so many expenses that we didn't think about. And mind you that this wasn't our first rodeo because, you know, I had made the mistake in my younger years of, you know, inflating the numbers and uh, being too big of an optimist thinking that the glass is too full versus, uh, you know, not half full, um, that, you know, I, I just thought it was all going to be sunshine and rainbows. So I knew just based off wisdom and experience that I needed to make sure that the numbers were conservative, right? So our budget actually had a lot of wiggle room for like, hey, if it got, uh, you know, if it didn't perform as well as we expected, then even that our worst case scenario, we're still set up for it it was still gonna be a great decision. But we didn't see and calculate for how bad it really could have gotten either. Our worst case scenario wasn't truly the worst case scenario because by month three, we were completely out of cash. And then I started investing my own personal savings, my family savings. In addition to once it started getting closer to six months, the DJ company savings as well. So not only did we deplete the you know initial capital for uh, the the venue space, then I went through my own personal savings, which by the way, like put our family at you know in danger and made us really vulnerable. And then all at once we also started investing uh, the company's savings as well, and it started getting really scary to the point where I was like, you know, I'm not willing to go past a certain point because we're not going to have two companies go bankrupt, right? 
In addition to that, I also then reached out to uh, personal friends of mine and borrowed more money from them that I personally guaranteed that said, you know, irregardless if this company, you know, the sister company goes bankrupt, uh, we are still on the hook for it and we will pay, pay you back on that, right? And so can you imagine how much stress, how much pressure there was? What made matters worse is a majority of the team members, I would say 70% of the team members that were on the team at that time, that all signed off on this, that all said, yes, we would be dumb not to pursue this, ended up jumping ship by quitting. I felt lonely because at first it was like, when, it, when things were exciting, everybody was for it. Everybody was participating, everybody was in. The second that the ship started sinking, people were like, well, now it's Ben's problem. It's not my problem. And they left. So could you imagine that like, you know, first off, I already felt like a failure that I made a massive mistake. On top of that, I was going broke really fast, which sucks. I mean, I'm sure you can, you know, we, we can all relate to that. But then relationships wise, that people that I thought were down for the mission weren't truly down for the mission, right? And these people is, are people that, you know, we had a, a bond, you know? Um, there's a lot of love that I still have for these people. Um, but I just felt like they just left, they abandoned me. And that was pretty hurtful. And so imagine, that spot. It's not easy. But let me go ahead and tell you what happened after. So we decided that, you know, we could no longer run this business, we needed to stop the bleeding. So we shut the business down, we let it not go bankrupt, but we just just closed the business, right. And then I focus on uh, our DJ entertainment company because it was healthy, but it was starting to be affected. It's like a cancer, right? That started infecting the healthy company and started making it vulnerable as well because we were going through the savings, right? And I doubled down. And by the way, mind you that our team was now three quarters uh, smaller, <laughs> but we had all these events we had to fulfill. And so I had to get to hiring a new new set of team members I needed to train them and make sure that they were ready for the, the busy season ahead. I also went to selling. I also went to advertising and made sure that we would uh, book even more events than we have in the previous months. Because we were distracted in the previous months because we were you know, really focusing on putting this new sister company together. And within six months, we were able to replenish uh, the company savings, the DJ Entertainment Company savings, also my personal savings, and also pay off the personal loans as well. And on top of that, we then, after the six months, started growing the DJ company and we doubled in size within the following year. And so just know that it felt like rock bottom, okay? Like one emotional moment that happened for me that I will never forget was we had, you know, a, at the event space, there was this big giant window in the front. 
and uh, we actually had it fogged. So kind of like it's just a vinyl um, decal sticker, you know, that that's that's over the window um, that just adds kind of a frost look to it. And then we had our logo, you know, the event space logo etched into the frost, right? And we thought we were so genius. We actually um, put a projector, we, we you know, projected a, a projector onto the frost, which then literally turned the front display window into a giant screen that would showcase all the various events that we're, we're putting on at this event space. And my wife and I were in the event space empty. It was literally the day before we had to return the keys. And luckily we actually negotiated a way out of the lease because again, we signed a, a longer term than that. And my newly born son who was, I mean, he was a new, newborn at that point. He's probably a year old or so, along with my daughter who was probably seven, I want to say at the time, um, was laying in the middle of the floor of this event space on a blanket. We brought a few toys for them to play. And because the adhesive of this decal that was on this window was so tough to get off. I mean, we used like hair dryers to warm up the adhesive, but it was just so sticky that what we thought was only gonna take an hour ended up taking quite a few hours to the point that it was like, you know, close to midnight. It was way past our kid's bedtime. And I just looked over, my wife is just like, feeling defeated and just helping me get this decal off. And I take a look, look over to my kids and I felt so much responsibility that it was my decision to get us in this mess. And it was none of their fault. It was my fault for putting them into this disposition. I felt defeated. I felt so broken but you already know what happened on the opposite side of that story, that we ended up doubling our size of our entertainment company. We ended up replenishing all the savings and so forth. And the reason why I didn't give up is because I've been through this many times before where when things really get tough, it's natural to wanna to give up, right? Because you're like, well, should I really keep going? And I just decided to tell myself, what else would I do? <laughs> this is what I ultimately want to do. Like I would do this for free. So therefore I'd rather do this and enjoy my life and have it filled with fulfillment versus doing something that I hate just to get a paycheck. So I decided to move forward blindly without any guarantees. And just based off the feedback, I knew, okay, well, clearly this wasn't the right decision. So maybe I need to kind of pivot and, and change, change directions, but I'm never going to change the goal, the vision, the ultimate goal, right? There's been plenty of times that um, people have tried to tempt me to step outside of the DJ industry. And I'm just so freaking passionate about this industry that I don't really foresee myself leaving it. I can't tell the future, but it's a lot of people have given me some very, very enticing offers to leave the DJ industry and I've declined it because ultimately this is what I care about. It's you guys, because I know what DJing can do for your life because I know what it's done for mine. And so I would say that that's really the first story. 
The second story I want to share with you is one of the team members actually that was a part of the team during that whole endeavor that decided to vote themselves off during the worst time possible. But at the same time, I understood. They ended up getting back in contact with me just recently. They had actually jumped industries and gotten themselves in some trouble and were asking me to do something that wasn't fully ethical and it was challenging because I really care about this person. I really like this person. I mean, we still are friends and I do want to help them. By the same time, I also want to make sure that I keep doing what's right. One of our core values here is to do the right thing, no matter how hard it may be at times. It was really hard to tell this person no, that I couldn't really help them with what they were asking me to do because I care about them. I care about their well-being. I, of course, wanted to help solve their problem and I wanted to show up as a hero, but I couldn't because what they were asking me wasn't fully ethical. Which leads me to my third story, which is actually another person that had contacted me just yesterday, actually, and asked me if I would be willing to allow them to put a fake title on their resume that they worked for a company with a fake title that they never worked so that they can advance in their career at the current company that they're working at. And I told them, I was like, you know, ultimately I can't stop you from doing anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm not in control of you like that. You can write, I mean, you could have not called me. You could have just put, you know, my company's name on your resume. You could have, you know, made up the fake, uh, you know, leadership position that you worked here that you never did. And uh, I probably wouldn't have found out unless they would have called me, right? But I, what, what I told them instead is that as a friend, man, I just don't, it's a slippery slope that I would hate for you to go down because if you're willing to be dishonest once, what makes you not want to be dishonest again? And the person had mentioned, well, the way that I see it, Ben, is that I only need to get the job once. And yeah, good point. But you're also going to have to defend that job every single day. Every single day you're putting yourself at risk that you might get found out. That's always going to be on your conscience. And I don't know. There's something really beautiful being able to walk into any room, any location, knowing that you're in the right because you've chosen to do the right thing no matter how hard it may be at times, all the time. Because that's the level of confidence that I have. A lot of uh, people ask me, you know, Ben, where do you get this natural sense of confidence? It's really just by being honest, you know? I'm not trying to say that I'm an angel. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect. I make plenty of mistakes. I have screwed people over plenty of times in my past unintentionally. But that's the important part is that 
I didn't intentionally screw people over by being deceiving, by lying to their face, right? It's not like I told my wife like, oh yeah, you know, like this company, uh, this event space is totally successful when it wasn't, it was bleeding cash. I told them, you know, my, my wife and my family and the team members and even the, um, you know, the, the people that helped me out, my friends, you know, that gave me a loan and said, hey, you know, like it's, it's bad. <laughs> but I do plan on paying you back. I told the team, it's bad, but we will find a way out of this. I don't know how yet, but we will find a way out of this together, hopefully. So there's a difference between deceiving people or unintentionally misleading people, right? Because I had the best of intentions. So did every team member, by the way. So did my family. So did my friends, right? We all had the best of intentions of wanting to make this work and it just didn't work. And honestly, I learned a valuable lesson that it, it really just came down to needing more capital because we just needed more time to solve the problem. Because ultimately, if as you know, the longer that you you know obsess over solving a problem, you will stumble across the right answer, right? I think of Thomas Edison with the light bulb invention, right? Um, it was said that um, it took him a thousand different iterations to come across the right way to invent the light bulb. Now think about it, 999 times he failed. The light bulb blew up, overheated, or did something wrong, or didn't light at all. How frustrating. I mean, could you imagine, like, after a hundred tries, I'd be close to giving up, right? I mean, <laughs> all of us, I think, would be close to giving up. Like, oh, maybe, maybe a light bulb isn't the right invention to be focusing on, right? I'm sure he had all sorts of questions. What about by the 500th time, 600th time, right? But to literally continue doing it relentlessly, blindly, re regardless of the feedback that's being provided to you that whatever you try doesn't seem to work out, you will stumble across the right answer. It's sheerly just a process of elimination. That's what it is. Now, the great part is that like um, after, because I've always prided myself in being the friend that tells you what you need to hear over what you want to hear. I truly believe like, you know, in society we've come, I don't know, for some reason, like there's this whole like notion that uh, we need to protect feelings. And so therefore, you know, being dishonest is okay as long as you're protecting people's feelings. And I just have a problem with that because I think like, no, it is about like, giving people what they need to hear, because ultimately when you give them that kind of feedback, hopefully they can use it for good to actually you know, conquer the challenges that they're, they're facing versus blindly continuing forward in the wrong direction, right? And so I just felt it like an obligation to at least mention it to my friend. Again, I have no control over anyone. So ultimately the decision was, was theirs, but at least I wanted to let them know that like, I know that they are a better person than that. Like I truly do. Like they are a really good person and they're just being misled by the dollar signs of the, the, the job promotion, right? 
And they had actually gotten back to me today and said, you know, thank you so much, man, for really having my back and for calling me out on this. I know it wasn't easy, but you actually gave me a reality check that, yeah, I'm actually, uh, I think I was getting a little lost with greed. And he's like, I'm better than that. And I've decided that like, I'd rather just be honest about my, my real experience and hopefully give it a shot and see what, what happened, you know, what comes of it. And maybe he doesn't get the job promotion. So what? At least he has his conscience, right? At least he can sleep at night and he can always work towards acquiring the skills that are required for that job. If he doesn't have the skills right now, even if he's able to hustle his way into the job position, how much harder is it going to be to be in charge of a bunch of people when you lack leadership skills and experience, right? So it's really created by design. There's a reason why we've put these things in place. And so just coming back to the whole moral of this podcast is regardless of the hardship that you may be facing right now, keep going anyway. Avoid, of course, you know, doing the same thing. Like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Try a different way, but don't change the goal, right? Still try to achieve the goal, but just change the way you're going to reach the goal. Change the path of how you're gonna reach your goal. And if that path doesn't work, find another path. And at some point, you will stumble across the right path that actually gets you to the destination that you want. In addition to that, the other lesson I learned is that by you not giving up and by you going through the challenges, those challenges are actually blessings because they're super valuable lessons. I would not be able to call myself a mentor. I would not be able to provide advice right now to you on this podcast or to any of our DG University members or any of my business coaching clients if I didn't go through the pain. I needed to go through the hardship and the challenges. I needed to learn how to solve challenges in order to get there. So no matter what, don't give up. I know it sounds cliche, but continue blindly forward anyways and just choose a different path, a different way to get there, but never change the end destination, okay? The other thing is people will ask you to do things when you're trying to achieve your goals and try to cheat a little to get your goal easier, quicker, right? Don't sell your soul to achieve your goals because in the end, you have to live with that for the rest of your life. And people think, because we're very intelligent beings, we think that we can outsmart our conscience or subconscious really. But it's the reason why 70% of Americans are on antidepressants. It's why people drink, why people feel like they have to medicate, why they feel like they can't sit in a room quietly without any technology or distraction on to be left alone with their own thoughts. Let that sink in. There's one more story I wanna share with you because it's one that I'm going through currently. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that my dad passed away 
a year ago. The anniversary of his um, passing is actually approaching this upcoming week. And if you listen to this podcast or you've been you know, in the membership, you know that I've had a really, really a strained relationship with my dad growing up. He's a really challenging person to be around. And there's also a very unique dynamic that happened in the family. I'm adopted. So I'm Japanese. My parents are white. My dad's American. My mom's German. And they had a daughter eight years before I was born, who's my sister. And um, she's a biological daughter. And growing up, there's always this underlying favoritism towards my sister. It's not my sister's fault, by the way. It's my dad's choice. And it was very clear the older that I got. Just as an example, when she turned 16, she received a car paid for by him. When I turned 16, the only reason why I got a little bit of money was because I was a couple hundred dollars short when we were at a car dealership trying to negotiate. And I had saved up all the money myself and I was just a couple hundred dollars short from making the deal happen. And my dad had to actually, you know, contribute that couple hundred dollars just to make the deal happen because he thought it was a good deal. My sister since then has received multiple cars from my dad paid for. She also had a fully paid for college education and so much more financial support throughout the years. I, on the other hand, did not receive a penny for college education. It's one of the reasons why I decided not to graduate high school and pursue business instead. It's definitely a motivator. And I had also not received any kind of financial support past, you know, past 18. Now, it may come off as like I'm bitter, but it's not. It really isn't because the insane part about all this is that my sister is older than me by eight years, right? So by definition, she should be ahead, right? In so many ways. In a ways, she probably is, right? I don't wanna be, you know, just a generalist here. But financially, she wasn't. And the reason why I'm saying wasn't is because I'll explain that in just a second. But I feel that because she had everything handed to her, she, she never received the opportunity to learn how to acquire it for herself. But because I had a lack of receiving things, I was forced to figure out how to provide for myself. And that is the only reason why I have the skills and she didn't. Now my dad passed, right? And years prior, as kind of, you know, things, as he was getting older, he had sat us down and talked about inheritance, right? And at one point, you know, it was said that I would receive, um, you know, a car, his car, but she would receive the house and the property that um, he had, along with um, money in the bank and, you know, all that kind of stuff. When my dad passed, I'd mentioned in the previous, and by the way, if you didn't have a chance to listen to that podcast episode, go ahead and, and just head back to that episode. Um, you know, I think it's titled, uh, My Dad Died. And um, I hadn't talked to my dad, you know, 
a couple years prior to that day that I visited him. And it was thanks to my wife that she actually encouraged me to go. And ultimately it was because of her nudge that made me decide to go visit him. This was two days before he passed. He definitely wasn't looking good. He was definitely very sick, but he's coherent enough to have a conversation with me and my wife. He was always really weird about money and weird about keeping secrets from his loved ones. So um, his wife was, of course, like taking care of him. And we were sitting in the living room. He had asked his wife to go grab something from the bedroom for him. And he had did that to distract her so that way he could tell us a secret. And he said, hey, I just want you to let you know that uh, in the case that I pass, um, there's $5,000 in cash in a computer, uh, in my computer desk in the drawer um, that I want you to have. Um, but, you know, don't, don't tell anyone about it. So uh, <laughs> we thought it was weird, but we're like, okay, um, let's not really worry about that right now. Let's worry about your well-being. Um, but that's very generous and thank you. Then uh, my dad had needed to go to the restroom. And when he went to the restroom, so his wife had of course come back and retrieved whatever he wanted. And he had asked his wife to then um, help him because again, he wasn't very mobile um, to, to transfer him over to the restroom. Once he was in the restroom, then he had actually um, asked for his wife to grab us so we could finish our conversation. So we had actually stood in his bedroom while he was in the restroom with the door open where we could still, you know, have a conversation, but still, you know, provide him privacy as well. And um, that's where we had kind of given our last words, you know? Um, my dad still felt that, um, uh, well, let's just say he just had certain feelings about me. I apologized and said, I, I'm sorry, and I hope you can forgive me. He said he forgave me. And uh, I told him that I loved him and he told me he loved me back. Um, on our way out of the house, my sister had arrived and was sitting in the living room. And we just felt like, you know what? We don't keep secrets here. Let's go ahead and tell my sister. So we're like, you know, he doesn't really want us to tell you, but um, he had just told us that there's $5,000 in cash in a computer drawer and that he'd like us to have that. Um, so we don't need to worry about it right now. Let's just make sure that he's taken care of, but like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it later. Right. And I understand I'm sharing some really private stuff here, family, private stuff, but there's a moral to the story. So my dad passed a year ago. Since then I had found out that I received nothing in inheritance. And surprisingly, my sister received everything, even the cars the property, the entire bank account, and even that $5,000 that was inside a computer drawer. The other surprising part is that my son actually received $2,000 in an investment account that he can cash out at the age of 18. And my dad did not put me in charge of it, but put my wife in charge of it. And in the case that my wife, something happens to my wife, like let's say if she were to pass or something happened, that only then would I be the backup option to be in charge of my son's investment account. <laughs> so it was like adding insult to injury, right? I'd forgiven my dad a long time ago. And it may sound absurd to you, 
but I actually wasn't surprised. He's actually been very consistent in that way. And I do want to let you know that I'm not bitter. I had forgiven him. And I'm really happy for my sister, to be honest, because I actually felt the weight of, because she had everything given to her over the years, she never learned how to acquire and take care of herself. Now, ultimately, once my dad passed, I would not only be responsible for my mother during retirement, but also my sister. And that I needed to run really, really hard to make sure that um, I was able to do that for them. And now my sister's taken care of. She's able to, you know, she's, she's into kind of an outdoor lifestyle. So she's able to purchase a ranch. And then she's now selling uh, my, my dad's property and is able to then, you know, cash in on that and hopefully use that towards, you know, her dreams. And believe me when I say this, I am truly happy for her. But I'm also a little hurt just for the fact that like, I wasn't put in charge of my son's investment account. It wasn't about the money. It's more about just the respect. That's really what it comes down to. And the moral of the story is this, that regardless of how people can leave you when things go wrong, it's very easy for people to leave you and abandon you. They're really excited when things are going well because if they can cash in with whatever's going well, of course people are excited about that. But when things go drastically wrong, that's when people tend to vote themselves out, right? And then it gets even deeper that when family hurts you, right? When you have challenges, when you're trying to pursue your dream, and on the road towards achieving your dream, you go through some unimaginable challenges that create a lot of fear and hopelessness within you. I just want to remind you, it's all happening on purpose. It's all happening to sharpen your skills. Because in order for you to serve and help others, in your future to impact people's lives in a positive way, in order for you to achieve the ultimate dream and goal that you wanna achieve, you have to change, you have to grow, you have to acquire skills that you don't currently have. Those skills are only acquired throughout the journey of you striving towards success, whatever success means to you. And so look at the challenges, look at the roadblocks, look at the hardships and the pain as an underlying blessing. When I look back at, and by the way, I have so many more years to go still. I'm only in my mid thirties, right? But when I look back at my career in my life, every single hardship, every single heartbreak has been invaluable of a lesson that has helped me graduate to the next level and has grown me into the person that was placed on this earth to become. So I hope this has been encouraging. I know it's been kind of a long one, but I, I'm rooting for you. 
And I believe that you can do what you're, you're setting out to do. I may not know you, but I'm telling you, every single human being on this earth has the potential to achieve the things that they want to achieve. If they dare to continue forward blindly, regardless of what challenges come into their way. I hope this has been inspiring to you because ultimately that's the only reason why I want to do this podcast in the first place is to provide you value and to impact your life. We'll catch you in the next episode. We hope this episode provided you with incredible value. Please leave us a review so we can learn from your feedback on ways to improve. Subscribe to the podcast and be notified when the next episode drops. Lastly, don't just listen to this podcast. Take massive, imperfect action.